0: Well, the good news is we want this to be pretty interactive. You know, we'll kind of cut wow. in between us and you guys. So um, we're trying to give you guys as much value as we can. Obviously, there's only so much we can do within, you know, 50 minutes realistically. Um, but that's why we do have a QR code as well as, you know, or you can use the, uh, the link um, that has kind of our notes and rundown and resources. So um, we're trying to supplement this as much as possible to give you guys the most out of the time that we have with you um, so but uh, but before we fully dive into everything else allow us to kind of introduce ourselves through what better way than video my name is phil svita i'm a producer writer director so far i've made two of my own feature films and worked on several others across different
1: genres Hey, my name is Khalil Abdelrahim, award-winning producer and content creator. My experience lies in television, production, writing, editing, and pitching. Hi,
2: my name is Morgan Lester. I'm the owner of Unofficial Pictures. We currently have a limited series in development with Simulated Skies titled Camp Law. And I'm a producer with Silver Guardian Productions alongside Daniel Argyros and Courtney Stewart.
3: I'm
4: writer-producer Courtney Stewart. I'm director-producer Danielle Argyros Lefevre and we are Silver Guardian Productions. Our company has produced award-winning
3: film, digital, and commercial projects all with an emphasis on supporting women in front of and behind the lens.
5: Hey, my name is Jeffrey Cran Graham, and I'm the award-winning writer-director of Always Lola, a coming-of-age dramedy that you'll be able to stream on all TVOD platforms next spring. I also co-host and produce the Screenwriting Life podcast with Oscar-nominated Inside Out writer Meg Lafove and Emmy-nominated showrunner Lauren McKenna. One of the
0: first questions that I always like to ask is like, you know, so we ask you guys what sort of, you know, what you're interested in, things like that. Everyone here has made feature films, but from various uh, vantage points, let's say. Um, so what, you know, just kind of going around with everybody, um, we can start with you, Courtney. Like, What determines whether or not you sign on for a feature film? Because there's a lot of stamina involved, a lot of heartache and things like that, especially on the indie level.
3: Oh In the indie world? Oh, I'm just going to yell. Uh, yeah, in the indie world right now... I would say, number one, it has to be something that I'm interested in for some reason, either something that's I haven't done yet or a subject matter that I care about or you know, just something creative that I'm excited about. And number two, money. <laughs> and actually, number one is money, I'm not gonna lie. Right now, it's, if there's any inkling of money to begin with and there is some room and resources to help grow a little more money, to get behind it, um, that is a big determination because it is a serious life commitment when you take on especially a feature film in the indie world. So yeah, for me, money and then the creative is obviously very important.
5: Cool,
1: Cleo? Um Hi, wow, that's loud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> louder for, than the intro. Yeah, much louder. Um, for me, it's, it's really about what what the project is. So you know, what are we what are we doing? What are we making? Who's involved? Um, and then kind of my commitment level, like what it, what so and so is expecting from me. That would be my my things.
4: I mean, they're hitting it right on the head. It's pretty much that. It's money. It's definitely um, your time. Like a feature is a two two year investment, especially when it comes to like making sure everything is you know, completed. I mean, when you shoot something, that's just the beginning as we all as we all know and people that are branching out are discovering. So I definitely agree with these two.
5: Yeah, and I think when you talk about money, for me it's as much, is the money there to accomplish what's being pitched? Because if it's like, we have 10 grand to shoot a space opera with, it's just, you know immediately when you're being pitched something or putting something together yourself, whether or not your budget's outreaching your means. And right. so I think If I can sense that, like, if I'm being pitched a warm coming-of-age dramedy with limited locations for X, low-K, five figures, yes. So I think, like, that's really, you kind of know quickly, based on what's being pitched, if it's doable, especially the longer you've done it.
2: Um, So for me, for a feature film, I would say the difference would be between am I asked to come in to do something small that I would kind of learn from or benefit from or assist someone I would like to assist, or is it my own personal project? So I ask myself a couple questions. Do I like the project? Do I like the people I'm working with? And do I have the resources, my own time and money to um, make myself available to this? And will this scope of work change over time? If so, am I willing to walk away? I don't like to sign on to projects um, that I'm not willing to walk away from. You can get kind of like a, this is my dream to work with this person and then kind of take a lot of abuse or changes. So that would be my final thing. Never take anything you're not willing to walk away from.
0: Um, Jeff, I wanna direct this at you because, um, so Jeff, his feature film, Always Lola, he made it with his wife, Laura and um, it's, a very personal story in terms of the narrative, but as far as making it, there's a very personal connection with you and your wife in terms of why you guys made it, and I'd love for you to share that a little bit.
5: Sure, Um, just to be transparent, we shot the feature, and it's kind of staying in the room because it hasn't been announced, but we just sold it, which is great, so it'll be on TVOD next year. Um, (laughs) Thanks, it's exciting. but, yeah, we shot it for, like, low fi figures, um, and basically some of the money's our own. We have some investors that we're going to be able to pay back, which is great, but I'd say 80% of the capital is my own savings and my wife's savings and my savings. And we basically looked at each other, especially as COVID was starting, and kind of asked the question of, like, what sounds harder doing this now or being 95 in a nursing home together talking about the movie we never made? Like, what sounds... More difficult. What sounds more heartbreaking? Even failing at this versus wondering and regretting. So we kind of decided that the thing that sounded harder was not doing it. So we decided to do it, and I'm really glad we did.
0: Yeah. And so as you guys kind of see, um, the first real step is that decision factor, right? So with my second feature film, I get asked, um, you know, if if you guys don't know, it was, it was shot in Colombia, right? I took a group of ten of us down to. Bogota and we filmed during the pandemic um, in a country that quite frankly I'd never been to um, and neither had anybody else and people are always really fascinated with that and I said because I could and that's not an answer that satisfies a lot of people and I realize because they don't understand the simplicity is the inspiration I that the choice of making that movie was the first step it's no different than if you go in you know you try to go to the gym and you're kind of you know, fighting with yourself every day, do I want to go to the gym or do I want to not, right? But if you just make that choice, then for me, my creative brain, rather than argue with myself, starts to get into the zone of, okay, how do I solve for the problems that do come up, right? So it's no longer a fight, you know, should I or will I not, it's more of how do I pull it off in logistics. Oh, it was real cheap. <laughs> I thought about going Lake Tahoe, and then I did the numbers, and I was like, I get trees for like three times what I could get in Columbia, and get every location. Like I could get salt mines, I could get you know just beautiful. We, we got this park that looks like a million dollar scene because it's like Christmas timey, um, all for free. But how did you do? Like I, I didn't. didn't.
2: If I could just say that you also had a very good anchor in Columbia in our sound designer, Edgar, exactly. who we met through Phil, and Phil may have met him through Upwork.
0: Yeah, yeah so I do have a friend that does live in um, Columbia, and uh, he's he's kind of got like my spirit, and so I called him. I'm like, what would it be like if I, uh, if I shot a movie down in Columbia? He's like, let's do it, <laughs> right? Um, and I met him on my first movie, um, got to know him, and yeah, we just became the best of friends. And that's just kind of a general thing of mine. When I find people that I love, these are definitely people that I love. You know, I hold onto them for dear life. So. I think that, uh, a question, the story or the, the, the plot or, the idea or you shot down there, did it change when you were gonna shoot down there? Oh, there was no story before. It was just, it, the, the story was, <laughs> let's go to Columbia <laughs> and make a movie. I, Khalil's one of the actors. I called them up. And I said, "Do you want to make a movie in Columbia? they're like, "What's it about?" I don't know yet, but I need if either yeah, sign on or about don't two weeks about this much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's pretty much I mean, Khalil, yeah. if you want to give your perspective
1: of that whole thing uh, yeah, it was definitely um definitely an experience because you know i I had never been to Columbia before um, i'm not, I'm not sure exactly what to touch on here. What's the question <laughs> I don't know what made you want to yeah. right so you don't know exactly what it is and having certain avenues or certain things open up kind of inspire you to take that direction and go yeah forward. no that that makes a lot of sense and i think that's partially what happened with columbia is kind of like hey you got this location you can come down here i'll help you you know find places or if whatever places you come to it'll be super cheap a lot cheaper than whatever you're going to play in the states so all right cool let me create around that And uh,
0: certainly, as uh, the ladies can attest to, it's very hard to budget a movie when you don't have a script. But, so let's talk <laughs> about like, the ideal script writing or <laughs> script budgeting process. Uh, any one oh, of you.
3: I'm going to jump on budget right now. You want to talk, talk about, about the development of the script? Yeah the well, development. This is what I'll say. You will find out I love Phil and I was definitely the person like, Phil, you sure that's a good idea, these numbers, like da-da-da-da-cause I'm definitely a numbers person to start with. But I think the thing that they all pointed out very importantly is that you have resources you don't realize you have sometimes. And so uh, that friendship was a resource that made that, you know, sparked the whole Columbia idea and that it was achievable. So from a budget perspective in the indie world, that sort of creative idea that you have more resources than you think you have is super important because you have to find favors, you have to find ways around things. And sometimes the numbers don't always do what we want them to do, but I think that Going into it, like once you make the decision, as Phil mentioned before, just from a creative perspective, like I want to do this, I think it's super important to actually sit down and do the numbers and do legitimate numbers. And even if the numbers scare you, you turn around and then look at resources outside of the numbers that can either make those numbers work better or give you more money to make those numbers look even better so i I just think the same creativity that you approach the actual art that you're making you should also use that energy to uh, approach the money and the resources that you need to create it
0: and i just want to jump in real quick and then toss it to to these guys but um sometimes too you can do it in phases right so like you see that scary number of like what it might take for the full thing but there's nothing wrong with taking it in phases you know doing a a trailer, doing um, the first act, doing even just the proof of concept, anything like that, that gives a more visual grounding to then, whether it's through crowdfunding or an investor or so forth, to get you that money, which, um, I mean, Danielle and Morgan, you guys, you guys are much more versed at that side of it. I'm just, bull on, go for it. Oh, I mean, go for it, Morgan,
2: you know About you to About the... And it
0: sizzles, concept pieces, and like, you know, the Yeah, I think like what
2: we're kind of touching on is the beginning phase. Like, you're going to make a feature or a short or a project, and why are you going to do that? Phil's why was he wanted to make a film in Columbia. So he made the project work for his why. And I think it's important to think about what your why is. A lot of you touched on being writers and um, being in kind of that early phase where maybe you're selling a movie, you're not going through the full phase of it. To speak to Courtney's point, if you write a script and you kind of run the numbers and you realize that you do have a space, futuristic space movie but not the money to do that, maybe you can adjust that script or maybe you can reduce the locations or less stunts or less, cast, there are creative ways in that early phase to adjust your why and to make sure that you're getting ahead of any sort of um, problems as you start to go into pre-production.
4: Just to piggyback off of that, no time is ever going to be perfect to make anything. Let's be honest. You're not going to have your DP because he's booked or she's booked or you're not going to have the location that you really wanted because it's this much and you have to sacrifice. A lot of times, and everybody up here, we have pivoted in every moment when it comes to writing, developing, and shooting, and in post, because we've learned, and you're constantly learning every single day as you make movies. But pivoting is the biggest thing that I think that I've learned so far. Um, Not having, like, 20 plans, because you always want to have, like, a solid plan and not think about the plan Z, because then you don't want to disperse. It's kind of like Will Smith. You always talk about one plan. Don't worry about the rest. However, pivoting is so important to this, and so that's kind of, like, how we're... How I guess we're all up here talking about it.
1: I would I would like to piggyback off that as well. Um, like at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is what the camera sees. So like, I don't know if you've seen like the little Instagram posts where they pretend they're on a plane and it's like a <laughs> toilet seat and it's a it's a computer screen in the back. Like that's it's fine. That costs you nothing. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like getting on a plane and like are renting a space a stage with a plane and trying to do the whole thing. Like only thing that matters is what the camera sees. So. Sometimes it's like creative problem solving, like you don't, you don't have to get rid of this scene, you just have to figure out what's the cheapest way I could make this look like what it's supposed to be, but it's not actually that.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, locations um, also in general go into that. Um, Jeff, I want you to talk to like, you found an amazing location, but it took you a while, um, but when you did, it was the biggest blessing
5: Yeah, the thing I liked about your question was you were sort of asking like, did you write first and then decide Columbia, or did you decide Columbia and then write first? And there's a lot of ways, I think, to go about tackling a micro-budget feature like this, but I do think what's important is to let the practical elements of your production feed the creative elements of your production. Um, So I kind of went into this project, and I was sort of feature robust. bust. Like, I was like, I could do a short, but I feel like there's a way for me to stretch this budget and then have something I could sell. Like there was something nice about entering a market rather than just entering something I could present as work. So that was a, that's a huge benefit to creating a feature. And I started thinking about features I love that were made on limited budgets. And I love the 80s, so I'm thinking like The Big Chill and I'm thinking John Hughes, you know, both The Breakfast Club and The Big Chill are essentially one location movies driven by rich characters and, you know, thoughtful philosophy and great filmmaking. So I thought like, well, why don't I give that a shot? So I sort of set parameters around what would a limited location ensemble feature look like, how would I kind of develop that, and it's a camping movie, and camping's not super expensive. You're you're outdoors, which is hard, but um, I essentially found an Airbnb in Ohio that had, like, places we could house the actors, like, essentially recreated campsite, like, woods we needed, and I also tied my college-university campus into the project so that I could, like, bring on students who might want a PA or shadow set, and like our AD was a recent graduate from the college, so um, the resources, there's so many location resources that I think you should consider as you're putting your film together, even to the point of maybe thinking from a location-first perspective and thinking like, what do I have already? What do I have now? And is there a world in which I could actually build out a feature inside of the spaces that I already own? Mm Because locations are typically gonna be both the most expensive and logistically challenging elements of any feature, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think too, uh, you know, we're sort of hinting at it. um, Making something contemporary, right? I think uh, save the bigger ideas for later. Um, I certainly am, um, you know, but having, like going to Columbia, we made it very much. And, And same thing with Jeff, like it's very today modern. Um, and we we didn't have to create a lot of props, Um, we just utilized what was there, so you're minimizing set design, props, and all those things going into it. Um, Also, before I forget, I do wanna say, um, there is a path where um, some people go to, they develop an idea, have a script, and things of that nature, budget, and go to film markets to try to pre-sell the movie before ever making it, and that is certainly a viable route, so like, for example, the American film market is one of them, there's a film market in Cannes, Toronto, um, Berlin, and things of that nature. Um, so that's definitely a, a way to move forward. Um, speak, so speaking of pre-production, right? Pre-production really, in a nutshell, is the organization of everything, right? Pre-planning, you know, we've talked about having a plan A and plan you know, all the way to Z. So I just kind of want to get, from your guys' perspectives, like the do's and don'ts, perhaps, of, you know. <laughs>
3: do's and don'ts. Okay. Do not be afraid of paperwork. You need it. You're going to need it if you make a film and you sell it. And that, is, that includes when you're working with your friends. So even if you like do a co-producing agreement, we all are equal. There's no money for us to pay each other, but we own it equally. Whatever you want to make the terms... Take the time to get actual paperwork for everything, for every relationship, for every crew member, for every actor, even if you, and I would encourage, I mean, I'm an actor too, so I'm in SAG, so I always encourage to try to do SAG, and I know SAG scares people because it's like, oh, it's too expensive, and you have to pay all this extra stuff, And but you never know that the numbers might work out because they have done some wonderful things with their uh, um, agreements, especially in uh, low budget and micro budget projects. So you might be able to use SAG, and it might not be a big deal. And when you go online, it's really simple now. Like, it's not back in the day where you had to go down to the office and try to figure it out. Everything is very accessible. But if you decide not to go union for anything, you can do it non-union. Just, you know, find, find those resources. You have a friend that has an attorney that can actually write up a template paperwork that you can use as a release for everything, for all your actors, for whoever. But don't wait until you've put all this effort in and like done all this work and then somebody's like, oh, well, I'm owning this too. And you're like, actually, no, you left the project on week two and then you don't have like, you know what I'm saying? So like you think, (laughs) oh, we're all friends until it matters. So don't wait to the last minute to do that. Do that first every time. And that includes with your budgeting, like do formal budgets. So you can go through the numbers. You might, budgets are fluid. You're gonna move through them and all of that. But it's part of the organization of all of it. You want your ducks in a row as much as possible so that you're free to be as creative as you can be when the moment actually arrives.
1: Uh, I would say, I personally hate paperwork. <laughs> but, um, so I would I would say um, like as far as do's and don'ts, if there's something you don't know or like just not good at or whatever like get somebody who does like get somebody who can help you and like handle that and like you know focus on the thing that you're good at and that you do and then get somebody else to do the thing that like you're not so good at like you still want to like kind of understand it and know what's going on but like if this is like that's Courtney's thing so I would be like Courtney can you help me with this thing because I suck at it
3: and still sign an agreement with yeah. that person. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> um, I would
4: say don't overpromise. Um, a lot of times you're excited about the project and you're like, yeah, we'll have you on and I want you as the actress. Like, uh, you're, um, starting, you're gonna start film school soon and you really wanna like, what, what is your name by the way? Um, I, I, I though, was it, wh- who's the daughter that was oh, no. here? <laughs> oh no, no, she's her, it's her right here. Um, in the black shirt? raising your hand what's your name Seneca Seneca. okay so you're starting out so you ha- are in for a trip um, <laughs> so you'll be like oh you might offer your friend the role but then you have some people that come in that say well she's not really what we thought and then you got to go backwards don't ever overpromise until you're sure I'm that person I've learned so much um, amongst my producer um, friends here, I'm always like, yeah, and we can do this. I'm the creative, um, Corny's the logistics. And so it's like, we can throw paint on the walls and have you know a whole bunch of like fairies flying around. Um, and so overpromising is really tough. So don't do that starting out. Keep it all to yourself, work really hard like Denzel always talks about, just do the work internally <laughs> and then you can share it with people. My greatest thing is always like being able to pay people more because we tried to tuck away things and offering that at the end of the day, instead of being like, we're going to pay you this, you know, so don't, don't overpromise, um, And do just try and have fun. Pre-production can be really stressful. Paperwork, all that stuff. So just really try and find the fun in it. Cause otherwise, once you get to production, it's not going to be the best time. <laughs> You're going to be super stressed out. So try and um, give yourself a little bit of space, time, and really try and find that balance.
5: Uh, what's your question?
2: Go about
4: finding
5: people to be part of. It's a great question. She's asking about casting. Phil, we have a casting section, right? Yeah. Like if we want to Is wrap it
3: in up. our resources? Are we going to that section? Uh, uh, I,
5: I mean, it's it's in our resources, but I mean, if you want to talk about it, or I can- I can talk about it in the down. context of what I was about to say with PrePro, go I, for it. I think. I. I will say, I think when you're entering pre-production on a micro-budget feature, especially if you're putting your own money into it, just like starting with what you have and like thinking about an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset is gonna be so helpful for you. I think it's so easy to look at the like impossible cliff of putting a feature up on its feet and saying like, I don't have studio resources, I don't have a camera, I don't have a production company backing me. When instead you could say like, but I do have X, Y, Z, and all of a sudden you can start to envision what it would actually look like logistically to make this happen. Um, so I think like thinking, I mentioned it, but thinking about locations you already have and restricting yourself on the page creatively to only writing within those locations. Cause then all of a sudden you're not even having to scout. You, you have the film, you have what you need from a resource perspective. And those constrictions can be really helpful, I think. Um, in terms of casting with this project, I was lucky to be working with friends that I already knew who were actors. So if you don't have actor friends or you don't know actors, I would say like taking classes is a really valuable way to meet great actors, especially because they'll be in the infancy of their career along with you, which is usually a great time to incubate someone into something like a micro-budget feature um, because there won't be much money. (laughs) So um, you'll be able to create friendships and again, with paperwork, I think Courtney's so right. But, um, and honestly, agencies, you can reach out to them and they might have talent who's willing to like one of our actors, we just cast kind of the traditional agency way and I just reached out to some agencies and said like, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what it is. I was really transparent about it and they had actors who were excited about it because we were clear from the start. So I think um, those are the two recommendations I would make for casting. There's and also, can,
1: like, websites. Sorry.
5: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can
2: just... I'm an actor as well. I've been lucky enough to do some cool stuff. I would say for someone starting out, it can be a little difficult because you don't maybe have a lot of um, industry friends to connect, but L.A. Casting and uh, Casting Frontier and Actors, Acta- Actors Access are probably the three best places to start. I think you can post breakdowns on all of those for free. I will also say with the lovely evolution of the digital era, there are so many of us out there that just kind of want to work and keep um, doing art and having fun. So I think that you shouldn't undervalue that, oh, maybe I can't pay this time or maybe I can only give like a small gas stipend or a meal stipend or just feed them. Some people might really still be interested in just working. So I would post a breakdown on those sites. And also that QR code hopefully works uh, on the screen. It'll lead you to a list of resources that we've put together for pretty much all phases of production, and if it doesn't work, let us know.
1: You could also do Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, you just DM people. You'd be like, yo, I think you're dope. You trying to do this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't got no money, though, and a lot of people do stuff for free. Like, you'd be surprised, like, the stuff people are willing to do for free. Like, oh, I'm gonna be in a movie? Yeah. Say less.
3: A good good (laughs) meal goes a long way. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You're just gonna give them a nice meal, and if you actually promise like a copy, yeah. Mm-hmm. And say, actually, please them actually them deliver the copy. <laughs> yeah. Like, get and that footage. alone, like, gives you you know some credibility. Like, feed them well and make sure they get an actual copy of whatever they shot. Yeah,
4: that's
3: great for especially actors starting out. This not. Yeah. Casting Frontier is probably the smallest
2: one. LA Casting
1: actors and Actors, actors
2: Access. access.
3: That's That's right. It's It's true. It is called casting networks, but LA
2: casting is uh, the the LA version. Yeah,
1: and And you can Google any of them, and you'll land there. Actors access lets you do different cities too. Mm -hmm. Yes,
2: you
3: can do it all over.
4: And the best part about indie um, that I would love to kind of input when taking care of actors on your set: make sure you're not running them fourteen hours. Mm Make sure that if there's emotional scenes that you give them grace. Make sure if there's any kind of anything that you feel like um, they're overexposing themselves or certain things like that. Depending on your film and the genre and whatever it is, don't make them work really long hours and and not have you know long turnarounds. Even with indie shorts or indie films with uh, non-union stuff, we really all of us try and live in the union and respect the hours of the people on set. So that's like one of the biggest things that we try and do on every set is have a really nice turnaround and give the ease that the actors need and deserve.
0: Yeah, and I want to get into that more um, and also tie it in with, like, directing and managing uh, because I think it's very important. uh, In a way, like, for me as a filmmaker, you're kind of like a coach and you're having to manage people's hours and things like that, especially if you're going to go for, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, whatever, straight, then, you know, people will get tired, right? There is, with my first movie, we kind of split it up where we were just doing weekends, and um, that was nice because it allowed everyone to sort of recalibrate. Um, On my second one, when we were down in Columbia, you know, every now and then I had to kind of readjust. We didn't go over 12 hours um, filming-wise on any day, really, but, you know, uh, people did get tired and things like that. Um, but at the same time, we made sure that everyone had great meals and that's another benefit of going down to Columbia, literally 14 people two steak dinners, $200. Um, I kid you not, it was amazing. Um, and so, um, but yeah, you know, like that sort of man management, like, again, I look at it as a coach and making sure that, uh, you know, I call my players, um, you know, are, are kept fresh, but I'm very curious, especially from the actor perspective of, you know, how you guys like to be valued, you know what I mean? Like the creative input, like I, one of the things that at least I've been told is um, people enjoy that I keep them in the creative process and I don't just tell them like, here's the script, do it or whatever. You know, we talk about costuming together, we talk about character motives and things like that. And I give them a lot of leeway. You know, I'm not someone like a, sorkin or tarantino where i'm precious with dialogue as long as they get the core of what i'm going for then you know they have free reign um, so those are some of my techniques to keep them engaged and really make them feel involved but i'm curious from an actor
3: perspective you're asking like how i feel involved if i'm acting on the not necessarily film? involved but like a value A value yeah when you Res- you receive respect for your time number 1 and number 2 your art obviously like if you know the director is like involved and like keeping things on track and you know giving you ideas or saying you know whatever like as long as you are cuz it's hard to say because as an actor like you take a job and you want to just deliver the job you're not trying to be the extra person that's like Oh well, I need this for that, or you know, I need you to show me this to be this. Like, you're not trying to be a diva if you're an actor on an independent set. Like, that's not great. Um, but at the same time, you want to be honored that you know your time commitment is the same. You're getting in pits of water and mud in the middle of the desert. Danielle did a film, she was in a we dug a six-foot grave and it was pouring rain up in Santa Clarita, and she's like having a fight at like two in the morning in a Muddy she's the grade.
2: creative.
3: <laughs> so, so it's just one of those things like honoring that just because it's an indie film and it's lower budget doesn't mean that that work is any less than if it was a 50 million dollar film and that actor has an amazing trailer and like getting her a coat when she gets out and recognizing that maybe smaller things like to keep the energy around the fact that you're still valuable too as a part of this process, not just we're going to use up these actors for $200 a day and we're going to work them 16 hours until they can't walk anymore and then expect them to be back on it doing the same thing again because acting is hard work and it deserves to be valued the same way anything else is valued whether you're famous or a celebrity or not.
1: To follow that? I, was like, That's I know. A <laughs> <good>. that, was <laughs> that was great. I'm just saying. No. You know like, hey, I mean. Don't take
3: advantage of people. Like you know, be, treat people the way you want to be treated. On yeah. a, when you're putting in work, you want to be valued. So just value the same people the same way. That's and fine. hire stills L-
2: photographer so that people yeah. have stuff for their Instagram. That's there we nice. go.
4: Yeah. We got
0: one here today. One. Yeah. Let me. Uh, I'll cut to Jeff because. Uh, you know, I'm much more of a technical director, um, but Jeff is very much like a much more of a people person. Like and the so. hippie
5: creative who wants to cry with my actors on set. Yeah, um, I think I I included the actors pretty early in pre-pro, as even as we were doing some redrafting on the script, just because once you cast, that also changes the feel of the movie and it can recontextualize the characters you've already written. So I had long conversations with the actors before we even got to set about like what they saw as their journey and who they saw as their characters, and I allowed space for rewrites from the actors, or suggestions rather. Um, I think basically I said like, I would love to take any suggestion from you, I reserve the right to like take the note or not, you know, it's kind of my prerogative as the writer to decide if I want to incorporate your ideas, but 95% of the suggestions the actors made were the right ones because actors are brilliant and they will see the, film and the story differently, even than the writer. You know, the writer will see the kind of 10,000 foot view in the big picture, but an actor might say like, I think my character would leave the scene at this point because of this emotional beat or whatever it might be. So I think that was a great way to give my actors like artistic investment in the project as well so that uh, they were already excited about it, but it it gave them the motivation and excitement to give even that extra 10% on set when they felt like they had some authorship over the film too. And I'm a very collaborative director. I think that's like a way more fun way to make a film. So that was, I think, really helpful for everyone and morale, for sure. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna, uh, just for the sake of time, I'm gonna kind of move on. But just to punctuate that, the reason why this is important in keeping, like, whether it's the actors or anyone else involved is because, you know, in order to pull off this on the micro budget, you're gonna have to lean in on people and trust them. And so, you know, everyone, really pulling their weight and wanting to do it, right? Really wanting to elevate what's there. And like I said, you know, I work with my actors and, you know, we work together on the costuming because we don't really have a costume designer, right? Um, So that side of it, you know, can be viewed as fun and and that's what helped, for me, keep costs low. Um, The other thing I want to kind of point to, as you guys may have kind of seen, like what I love is our differing opinions on certain things. And I think that's also important on any project you work on because you know, um, like all these guys keep me grounded, right? Um, There's times I have an idea and, you know, they'll have a better idea or together we'll have a completely new idea that was unseen, right? Um, So there's never one perspective that that is the right perspective, um, which I think is a key component of it. Um, I do want to switch gears towards, um, for me... I always like to shoot with two cameras to speed things up. Um, that's kind of been so far, that's been my best technique, and I know whether it's Michael Bay or uh, Ridley Scott, they also like to employ that. Um, the downside is the lighting can be a little bit, um, you, you know, sometimes people say like the lighting's not a, as good as it can be if you're just lighting for a particular shot. But I just love the speed at which I'm able to move um, with that. And also for me, I do like to shoot, um, and again, one of the nice things about shooting in live environments is you can go 360, right? And have a lot of camera movement and not just putting it on sticks and having a static shot. Um, You know, one of my things with, with actors is I tell them like, maybe it's my documentary background, but I tell them like, you dictate the scene, you know? Like if it feels right for you to get up, get up and we will track you that's our job in terms of as filmmakers to make sure that's captured um, but anything else in terms of uh, specific tactics that you think uh, oh, oh,
4: oh, yep, yep.
1: i'm a big fan of test shoots like whatever you're trying to do like before the day that if i'm doing this on the 15th like on the 12th i'm going to go to the spot and try it on my phone or on the camera or whatever and like see if it works before I get my people in here and they done took time off work and and now it don't work and I'm looking crazy. So I'm a big fan of test shoes.
4: I have to piggyback off of that. I I do love the location scouting from a director perspective Mm -hmm. because you can take that phone and nowadays we have literal cameras. We can make films on our phones. People do it and make movies and or they're in theaters. So you know you take those phones and see what you can get instead of having people show up and being like, oh, that is not the right angle that I wanted. Um, when it comes to shooting with two cameras though, it costs a lot of money in that sense. Like if you're, it Phil's a one man band, like he can set up two cameras and walk away or have one camera focus. But you know, for me, I have a little bit of an opposite opinion when it comes to shooting with two cameras because you need you need eyes on both of those cameras. What does it look like? What is the lens? What's the focus? Is the actor moving? Are they moving forward? Are you going to completely get a shot where they're completely out of focus and you, then you're just kind of scrapped? So I'm kind of a, I, I'm minimal in that way just because that's kind of the level I'm at right now. But um, would love to have a whole bunch of um, cinematographers and first ACs and second ACs managing multiple cameras. But at this point, you gotta ask yourself that question. Do you have somebody that is actually as skilled as Phil that can manage both cameras? And are both camera angles something you're gonna use in the film? So.
5: I think like knowing what kind of project you're shooting too, like our film's very intimate. Um, So we had, it was shot pretty tight. I mean, we used some long lenses and I think we use one camera as well. And I think two would have, we would have had a lot of eye line issues because of how tight we were shooting. so. But if we were shooting something more like Phil's, which is a little more verite, right. we could have probably gone with two and gotten away with it. So like, you find a great DP as well. If you're not a camera person, I'm, I really think of myself as a writer primarily who directed this, but I found a brilliant DP who I pretty much consider a co-producer on the film, and he was a creative collaborator for me to make these kinds of decisions. So like, how we're shooting it, what's it gonna look like? And I owe so much of the success of the movie to him because he was my, my right hand on the project. So, And one more quick thing I'll say about tech scouting is um, negotiate with your lens house and your camera rental place a tech scout and you can usually just get it for free. So not only go scout to see it, but I'm, you can usually get it in the deal if it's like a two day scout just to get all your lenses and cameras just for that tech, tech scout. And then you can set up your shots. You can even bring extras on to you know create scenes. It's fun for them. And yeah, that really gave us a lot of ammunition, I think, going into going into the shoot.
2: Everything you guys said just sparked so much in me, and I didn't take notes, and I should have. So, real quick on the rental house, if you need to rent something, tell them, this is what money I have, and they'll almost always give you a discount. Never take their first number. They'll always come down. So, just if that happens and you need to rent something, definitely ask for the deal. Don't be afraid to tell people, this is the exact amount of money I have. You might laugh, but that's what I have. Um, The other thing is kind of talking about like the big picture perspective. It's really easy to get caught up in the weeds. Like, okay, I'm going to go buy some like crafty so that people have snacks and I'm going to put together these props. Always need the snacks
4: though. Always need the snacks. Always always have snacks.
2: (laughs) But definitely thinking about that big picture of like, why are you doing this? But also what is the plan Z, sorry, of if things go off the rails, because we have, I think all of us, been on shoots where someone in a position of power was underprepared and it's starting to go behind schedule and we're not gonna get the film in the can. So what is the most minimal shot list to make the film happen? Because you don't want to get everyone there on the day and not at least have your like fail safe of how do we piece this film together and to speak to the DP if you can get a DP with an easy rig or a steady cam and they're willing to go rogue if things go really off the rails They can like capture things in real time in this scene and hopefully get you enough coverage to cover the movie so yeah. Just kind of cap all that
5: quickly. There's this amazing YouTube channel called every frame of painting and they have an essay on what this guy calls the Spielberg wonder, which is like you'd be amazed You don't notice them because he's such a brilliant filmmaker, but Spielberg has one shots in his movies all the time. You can picture like that Jaws scene on the ferry boat. I think it's like a six minute unbroken scene. Jaws is
2: a movie from (laughs) several years ago. (laughs) Have you guys heard
5: of Jaws? Um, (laughs) But like all, so many Spielberg's movies have these unbroken takes and sometimes it's just a camera on sticks, but the scene is so blocked that you would never notice. So the amount of time that that can save if your actors are ready is amazing. I, I think like don't worry about insane coverage. Don't get the coverage you don't need. Get the story, and that's really, get the story. The story is really all that matters when people yeah. are watching your film, totally especially yeah. at this budget.
0: 100%. Yeah, and I wanna talk about, uh, go ahead, you had a question? Uh- I think I'm just. You guys can disagree with this, maybe, probably. Yeah, it's going to be one. I I, I think you guys might be surprised by it. I I think it's going to be dictated by your budget and your comfort level, right? Um, And so you know you might not have the budget to be able to have all the people that you wish you could have. And do you, in the back of your mind, are you comfortable enough to pull that trigger to to go forward with that? You know, um, my entire cast crew for the Columbia movie was nine people, and five of them were cast members. And Khalil pulled double duty every now and then, and I was hoping I didn't have to, but you know, and he was gracious enough to not complain about that. Um, So again, you know, but I also knew everyone's skill. Like we all worked together, so I knew everyone's skill set, and that kind Of went to the what I was talking about with man management, knowing you know people's strengths and weaknesses and where I could plug and play. But I don't know, maybe you guys have a
5: completely different thought. Let's, get to some yeah. sure. I was just gonna ask like 10 15 years ago, you could make most of the money back with DVD sales, mm-hmm. right? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean,
4: um, yeah, it really
5: is.
0: Remind me to go back to post production. But, we'll, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so the good news is self distribution isn't looked down upon in any negative way now. Like, you would never know. I could self distribute a movie right now on Amazon, iTunes, and you wouldn't know that it was self distributed, right? And by doing so that way, you get a higher percentage of the cut. Certainly you can go the distributor route and other such routes. Um, it, it, it's a very ever-changing and dicey field. Um, you know, it's The sad truth of the matter is, let's say like you get an exclusive deal with Netflix, right? It's probably gonna be on a lower scale and let's say it's a three-year term, they're not gonna start paying you out until that third year and it's in increments. So I'm not saying that to be negative about it, I'm just kind of giving you a lay of the land. Um, and that's kind of the hard part about it so if you're trying for me my goal when i start these projects is going into it okay if i never make back money okay, you know how do i still make this movie right so whether it's crowdfunding or other means um and this might be too wide scope right now but i am excited about the nft space in particular as a way to crowdfund and create um, those types of resources um. Yeah, I'm just wondering if micro-budget
5: and low-budget has a range? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're different, too. Yeah. Typically, my understanding is that micro, well, the, the SAG agreement, actually, that we created our production budget around is less than 20K for micro-budget film. And that's a great agreement if any of you guys are looking to cast SAG actors, because yeah. that gives you the space to defer payment. And then we made a sale, which complicates that deal. But the union's been helpful in terms of us like renegotiating how the film is being sold to the streamers, but, but the micro budget agreement for the union is 20K. Typically, when people are talking about micro budget, it's 50K or less. I've heard 100K, but that's starting to feel like more like low budget territory to me. So I would say five figures feels like a micro budget, six figures feels like a low budget, typically when people are talking about it. Do you guys agree just that?
2: Yeah, I believe the low budget Uh, Floor is 200,000 and it goes up to 700,000. I think they just suggested it Um, Just to touch really quickly on what you said. What is the minimal you can do? It does depend on your script. I will say you start adding in um, People you start adding in complication moving parts people are calling you saying where do I park? Like where can I offload? So it is probably important to think about what do I really need for this? I need um, camera I need sound I need props, whatever is important to your script and kind of start with what you think can be the bare minimum. It can be helpful to have people who are really experienced in this tight space like Danielle, Courtney and I have done things where we're doing all of it. We did a, a four person shoot of a short comedy series basically where Courtney ran sound and I did the slate and Danielle's on camera and then I'm in a script supervisor and now it's my scene. And you can do that if your script calls for it. So and it's you just have a, the right people that you, and you feel right like people. you can be intimate with and get the shots. I think to piggyback yeah. off of that too,
4: having hands on set is the most like valuable thing you can have when you're trying to get out of a location fast, when you're trying to break down things safely. People that know how to handle gear, people that know how to bring it back to the car, it sounds so like minimal, like something like random but I can't tell you how many times that we wish we had more PAs that knew what they were doing because PAs are the saving grace of your set. They are the heroes. They are the people that run to get that tape that you need to put on the actress. They, they're that person that needs to go get the pickup of the printing that you have to have a resume in, in the frame because the director was like, oh, I want that. And you're like, that's not anything you told me earlier. <laughs> so that, those kinds of people are very important because there also are people that don't help you know like there's there's two there's there's is such thing as too many hands that don't help and then there are you know two people that help phenomenally and then they break down things and they really make the set smooth and easy and have really great attitudes too that's a really important thing so when you're looking at making a team and building out people that you want to spend 12 hours with that day it is important to Six, consider 16 16 yeah. Hours. I, yeah i think the we don't do that.
0: <laughs> i think the key is regardless of how many people you have just have very clearly defined roles, right? No one should be walking around with like, what am I doing here, right? So whether it's five people or 50 people, everyone has a very specific role and they know what they are there to do. Um, I wanna move into the editing side of things um, simply because, so we've been taught, like a lot of times when you finish a movie, it is a grind and you get into the edit bay and I promise you this, maybe you guys have experienced this, maybe not. Your first edit, will make you want to hang yourself and be like, what did we shoot? This sucks. And yes, that is normal. Every movie has that. It's going to be long. It's going to be bloated. It's going to suck. The good news, as we've been kind of explaining with all of it, you know, the, um, A, it's artistic choices, and B, you know, you can fix all of that, right? So the audience, once you polish to the final product of the movie will never know what you left out what was intended but didn't make it there they will just see what it ended up being and that's the key when it comes to the edit process and for me even if you're not an editor i would say as much as you can be in that edit bay because it's where all the pieces come together you will learn about acting shot composition storytelling and all those things that's how I learned to be a filmmaker. I literally sat in edit bays when I was a young kid and just didn't say anything, just observed. Um, but yeah, go ahead.
1: To, to piggyback off that, it also really helps when you're filming. Like if you know, maybe not, maybe you don't know how to edit, but like if you, because you'll think you need this other thing when you really don't. Because you'll see it in the editing, you're like, oh, it works. He didn't even say the line right. It's perfect <laughs> ahead, cool but you were on set tripping like no we got to do it again we got to do it again we got to do it again so if you could sit in the edit like even if you don't know how to edit like sit in there and like see how it see it come together and see like the simplicity and like certain things you're like oh i didn't need to spend all this money getting this and that because it's cool it works just like this
3: Yeah,
1: no. hundred oh, percent. So i wanted to get to uh yeah. demon slayer she had a question thank you, thank
3: you. <laughs> It
2: it varies a lot by state state to state and what your tax credit is. For example, uh, if you wanted to go to New Mexico, you would have to stand in line for vouchers. And at the time, like House of Cards would get all of them with their PA that they sent at 3 a.m. So you should just kind of look into what tax credits you're interested in, what Mm -hmm. state you're interested in. A lot of times it's vouchers and it's paid in after the film is cut so you need someone to front that money but there's also a lot of investors who are very familiar with taking tax credits and if they're interested in your picture they'll be familiar with the process
3: yeah and that's what encourage you to like not that i'm crapping on la it's a great place to shoot but it's very expensive so don't out you know don't think you can't go somewhere else for a better idea because I mean it, Georgia's doing a lot of things right now even though you know Hollywood has gone to Georgia like they're still doing some amazing stuff and there's lots of places outside of Atlanta to shoot where you will get some level of incentive depending on exactly like she said it just kind of varies from um, project to project and how much you actually are trying to spend and from state to state but like think about other states for sure because they're slowly Lots of states are doing more, and I think Michigan actually- Connecticut's doing a lot. Connecticut's been doing a lot for like 15 years. Louisiana too. (laughs) So yeah, definitely just go to their websites and look up what options are there. Mississippi, even though like, you know, Mississippi has a lot of resources for film right now that are really unexpected. So just think about a lot of different places.
0: So our time is almost coming up, so but I wanna, any final questions make sure? yeah so the short answer um so there's like davinci resolve is like a free program there's also a paid version of it um but a lot of people are starting to use that um of course there's like adobe um and you get all their creative suite um i always every year when i'm up for renewal i literally talk to their people and i just say hey can i keep my discount of 30 dollars a month because they want to bump me to 70 after the first year and they're like, oh, I don't know if we can do that. I'm like, it would just be so great if you could. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and so I've been paying $30 a month for like seven
1: years. You know. yeah. Industry standard is like um, Avid. Avid. Uh, every All the shows, they all use Avid. A couple people use Premiere. I don't know anybody's using Final Cut anymore. I um, think an not. indie though. Do they still? I don't know. I, don't I have know. no idea. Oh. <laughs> but, um, Avid's but,
5: great for a big team like for your question about sending about sending, yeah, yeah they work really good with that i will say premiere can be so frustrating but i think it's a pretty good entry level nle if you don't have much experience and it's pretty respected like we cut ours in premiere and any distributor that was interested in the project was fine with that as an nle so i think like that's the easiest i would in my opinion I yeah and i also think uh,
0: to answer your other question google drive is very simple yeah. Ooh, box um, i'm a huge fan of box you had Dropbox a question up. yes
2: I
4: know we have two minutes. I like, know. I love actually producing and paperwork stuff.
0: Is there any way to find online or somewhere like a database, like scripts, micro-scripts on um, budget looking for producers? Like there is, there's, so Simply Scripts has un, an unproduced section of scripts. Um, so that's a way. Um, certainly there's all these script competitions, you know, through festivals, um, get in touch with you know the the writers of that I think is a way. I mean I, I'm just brainstorming uh, here.
2: Staffmeup.com, Mandyslist.com, yeah. and hoo which is Elizabeth Banks' uh, female run. That's like very niche, but all job finding opportunities right. for producers. Exactly, exactly.
3: And anytime you go like to film festivals like in your area, meet the filmmakers because all of us got other projects we want to do and we looking for people all the time.
4: Also, can I get a photo of everybody before we end this? <laughs>
3: Everyone We're smile! Yay, come
4: on. <laughs> okay, great, thanks, sorry.
5: If anyone I'm has questions, we'll be out here. You can talk yeah. to us. Yeah. You, yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I